0: Zigzag and One, a place where we honestly discuss how to navigate the zigs and zags in our crazy lives, expect heartwarming stories, some laughter, and maybe a few tears as we embrace life's challenges and choose joy over a momentary defeat. Today we will hear from someone whose life has had some unexpected turns, but chose to keep moving forward. What did they learn? Some valuable life lessons. Zigs and Zags are also part of our host, Melanie Brown's journey. She too had to find the determination to never give up. What are we waiting for? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Zig Zag in One podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Brown. My friend and guest today, Sherry Nettles, new prayer, reading God's word, and keeping a faith-filled mindset were important when as a teenager and again as an adult, health challenges impacted her journey. But she added humor and laughter as well, knowing those were equally as important to her healing. When she's writing a post on social media or speaking to audiences, Sherry demonstrates how humor and laughter are part of God's plan for good mental, physical, and spiritual health. Sherry and her husband Mike have been married for 32 years. They have two adult children. I'm sad to say I missed my chance to ask Sherry why she jumped off a second-story balcony as a teenager and why Mike presented her ring in a Tupperware container when he proposed. I guess that means I'll have to have her back again another time. I'm eager for you to hear my interview with my precious friend, Sherry Nettles. My guest today, Sherry Nettles, faced several zigzags that could have caused her to have a crushed spirit and feared what the doctors predicted about her future. But... Her mindset and actions followed Proverbs 1722. It says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Not only did she look for and share humor during her struggles, but now she shares her humorous anecdotes and takes on life to encourage others. I am so excited to spend time with my friend Sherry
1: Nettles. Welcome, Sherry. Why, hey, Mel. It's been a few months since I've seen you, girlfriend. You actually sound like you've lost weight. Oh,
0: good. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Why, Mel, you know that since August of 2012, I dropped 124.6 pounds. Wow. How'd you do that? Well, I mean, it's when I dropped my daughter off at college. But, I mean, it counts (laughs) what she weighs. (laughs) Oh you
0: are so funny. Oh my goodness, I have missed you. I have missed you. So we have to get a little bit serious though because I want to spend some time talking about the zigzags that you have faced. Knowing you at the Christian Communicators Conference, spending time chatting, I know that those were difficult times, but you learned so much and you had this greatest attitude, positive attitude seeing the fun in life. And that's what I want us to talk about today.
1: Well, Mel, what I'd like to share there with you first is when we're in Christ, we are, of course, God, Jesus said he wouldn't leave us alone. He'd send another comforter, the Holy Spirit. So when the fruit of the Spirit's in us, it's not like grapes and we can pick a fruit that day. It is like one piece (laughs) of fruit. And so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, there is no law. So I believe if we're not living lives of joy, if we're not living our lives with peace, it's because we're choosing not to when we're in Christ. So you know what? Every single day, my heart's desire is to live the joy.
0: Yes. And it comes out because that's what I saw. Well, thank you. Thank you. I laughed
1: with you too. I want you to remember that.
0: We did laugh. We had some good times there. So let's talk about from early on, you hit a zigzag that definitely impacted you. Tell me about it. Well, you know, I guess
1: my first zigzag, I didn't hit it. It hit me. I was actually born into the home of two addictive parents. Both of my parents suffered from addiction. Both of them passed away suffering from addiction. Well, you know, God has a way of healing, and I can share that later, but I did get the opportunity to pray, my mother to pray the prayer of salvation with me. And can I tell you, there's no greater joy than to enter the throne room of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords holding your mom's hand. I cannot begin to tell you the power that that was. But anyway, yes, both of my parents battled addictions. And by the time I was three, our father had left us. And so my mother um, was a single mom of four children. So to say that my um. Childhood was rocky is probably an understatement, so I like to use the word tumultuous.
0: Yes, sounds like it would be. How did that impact you going through your adult life?
1: Oh, well, thank you for asking that. What a great way to ask that. I don't think I've ever had anybody just throw it out there quite like that so clearly. How did it impact me? From the moment that I entered school, I thought that I had to hide. I had to hide what was happening in our home, I had to hide my, my heart and how I felt. And so I, I love that question, Mel. Thank you. And so I began to hide and recognizing the way that I could hide would become an overachiever. I mean, by the time I hit middle school, I started making every great grade I could. I ran for every student body office that I could. Man, I even, my senior year, Mel, I got voted best all around in my class. I mean, there were only two in my class, but I got best all around, okay? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm laughing at your joke. I'm not laughing at at you being an overachiever. It is a joke. There were actually a few more than two in my my public high school class, but yes. And so um, how did it impact me of having to be the trophy child is what I called myself. I had to win everything. And honestly, you and I both know, winning everything is not the answer. God is the answer. All of the stress in my life, I got sick. Wow.
0: And and it can build up to that for sure. Right. I know that you struggled some in high school with some health issues. Tell me about those. Well, when I was
1: 17, uh, it was Christmas time and telephone rang late at night. And you know, a girl's never certain whether her knight in shining armor might not be calling at one in the morning. However, he was not. (laughs) And the phone rang and I still don't know who was on the other end of the phone, but Mel, I jumped up to answer it. And I had to run around the Christmas tree. That's why I said Christmas time. And my foot kicked the hearth of the fireplace of the small place we were living at the time. We did what what we all thought for some time was I broke my toes and I was 17. My toes weren't broken. They had probably been jammed for the first time and the trauma actually began right there. I was in and out of doctors' offices for 2 years and so by the time I was 19, they diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis. And they wow. told me, I know, they told me by the time I was 21, I would live my life out of a wheelchair in chronic pain. And since no one can see me, I'm 29 now, girlfriend, and yes, you um, are. I'm still walking. Now, my son is 30, so this is all really awkward lying about my age. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, so. Keep going with your story. Amen. So, Mel, what actually um, happened is I never ended up in that wheelchair. I literally memorized for the first time 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Jesus is quoted and saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. And so I began speaking my destiny from Proverbs 1821. The tongue has the power of life and death. Choose life. And I didn't know what I was doing, but God's word is living and active. And it is for his reputation, his namesake, that he fulfills our words, not us. And so I began speaking life that I would not live out of a wheelchair. And I learned what perfected power means. I operate, I go out and speak. I travel, I clean my house, walking, because that is perfected power. My weakness is Jesus in me.
0: That is powerful. How did you have that kind of tenacity and determination at that young age? Because I'm thinking of myself as a 19-year-old, and I'm not sure that I would have had that within me
1: to aggressively come at it like that? Well, uh, you know, I learned, Mel, I really hate my husband's not here for this because I believe what you're calling tenacity, he may refer to occasionally as nagging, but we'll just leave his story (laughs) right there. (laughs) I was um, just always driven. I believe at a very young age, I heard God began wooing me and I don't ever, I, come on, I'm a comedian. I don't want to get into the legal legalism of all this or the, the theological debate, but I believe I was born to be saved. All I know, honey, is I'm a Southern girl. That, that's the people I am Jesus saved, South Carolina raised, and I love all of God's people. So I don't know what that actually means, except my tenacity came from, my, my drivenness came from always knowing God had a purpose for me. And he instilled that in me at a very young age. Mel, I believed it. I believed that I was called to live like God was telling the truth. Now, I do have a little bit of a testimony, but it and today about zigzag and not testimony in high school and college, right? Yeah. I, I'm not going to turn down a testimony. I guess
0: maybe where you can uh, throw I, that I in know. there is telling me about what you learned during that time that you have carried into your
1: adult life? Oh, I learned one, God is right. We are called to live like God is telling the truth. Yeah. Every time that I rebelled, every time that I decided I could control it and do it my way, I fell flat on my face.
0: Have you had difficulties with the arthritis throughout your life or is it pretty much under control with the medication?
1: Um, It is very much under control. I still have flares. The doctors say my mindset is what doesn't make me realize I'm having flares. But, um, you know, uh, in 2014, between 2014 and 2016, believe it or not, it can flare in your eyes. It's called um, uveitis, also known as iritis. But um, I was a myopic shift away from being legally blind. And, And at the end of that time frame, when God completely healed me from that, I did have to have a little cataract surgery from using steroids in my eyes. But anyway, when God healed me from that, I I literally, the beginning of 2016, sat down and wept. And I was like, God, you scared me this time. You know, I thought I was going to lose my vision. And he literally said, Sherry, I needed to close your eyes physically so then you could see spiritually what I was doing. And now look at us in 2020 and 2021, and the whole time I have walked through this with no fear. I've made jokes. How about this one? I think you'll love this, Mel. Have y'all been socially distancing in your home? Yes. Well, Mel, the only thing socially distancing in my home is the zipper on my pants. How about that? But anyways... (laughs) So, yeah, Mel, I believe believe COVID-19 was actually a signal from the federal government to tell us each how much weight we were to gain during the 18 months that we were at home. 19 pounds. But anyway, so yeah, I think that's what that means. I hope
0: not, because I've been working hard not to gain those 19 pounds.
1: Oh, girl, honey, I gained 20. I thought I'd add one to it just for a little bit of favor. There you go. Jesus.
0: So let's fast forward then to the next health struggle that you walk through. There's an amazing story that goes along
1: with it. So don't forget that part. I won't. Mel, I do want to back up and say anybody that's battling rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune disease, I know how hard it is. We know know how we have to take care of ourselves. We know we have to take our meds. We know we have to rest. And my first go-to is when I'm flaring or I feel empty, I go to God because I'm like, you know, I'm gonna need filling up. And while this medication helps me, it doesn't fill me. And so, um, to any of my listeners out there, that, you know, if, if you're seeking total refuge in medical science, it's not there, but total refuge is in God. And so, I, I, I sorry I did back up on you there, but I did oh, want to okay. add that. I did want to add that because I know it's hard and I don't ever want to a- undermine that. But God has taught me how to laugh through all of this. Come on, if Sarah laughed at being pregnant at 90 by a 100-year-old husband, I can laugh still at 59. From knowing you this
0: last year, the humor that you put with the struggles is what helps you get through it. Not that it causes the struggles to go away, but it is part of your mindset. It's part of knowing that this too may be a struggle, but God's going to get me through it. And if not, I'll see him. So, I mean, what's, what's so bad about that?
1: Well, actually there's nothing bad about that. And I, I've already said once today, and you know, I've talked about this. I believe that we're called to live like God's telling the truth. Proverbs seventeen twenty two does say that laughter is medicine to your soul. When we laugh, we literally release good hormones in our bodies. And those yes. hormones release anxiety, stress, worry, they lower your blood sugar. They improve your heart health. So why not laugh? If we believe God's telling the truth, then not only can we take a prescription, we can take God's prescription of joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There is true healing there.
0: And I couldn't agree more. So let's go back to what happened in your early 40s that was a zigzag
1: and what happened in that situation? Well, girl, I was noticing that I had an unusual pressure on my right side and that I was having to go to the restroom more frequently. And we all know that I was entirely too young to be having any troubles like that. So I ignored it. How about that? (laughs) Well, we're
0: all good at doing that. We, we don't want to slow down and take care of it. And we think, you know, I'm forty, I'm I'm good. Or yeah. I'm fifty and you know, I'm good compared to my peers.
1: So yeah. And and we live in the false facade. We live in the false God of that can't happen to me. Or yeah, that won't happen to me. And God was Jesus is clear in John sixteen thirty-three. In this world. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then what kind of life does he tell us he's going to give us? An abundant life in John 10, 10. So you know what? In the midst of trials and suffering, I hold him at his word. I look for the abundance.
0: I just, I love the repetition that you're saying that we have to believe what God says.
1: Yes, we do. We have to. We have to take him at his word. Amen. And if we don't take him at his word, I, I'm not trying to be funny. If we don't take him at his word, if we only take Jesus as our savior, we got fire insurance. If We take him as our Lord. We've got abundance because he is Lord, whether we acknowledge it or not.
0: Yes, ma'am. So let's talk again about your. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, I just want to make sure because there is such a beautiful outcome of this. And I don't want us to run out of
1: time and not get to it. Mel, 20 years ago, this year, this October, I was given 90 days to live. And so uh-huh. 90, yeah, 90 days to live. You hear those words and you think, okay, am I a on candid camera? And then you realize that you're hooked up to IVs and you've got so much medication in you that a camera not coming in the room Then you begin to question whether somebody wants to know where your chocolate stash is located. Then you realize you're in the hospital, so they could go buy their own chocolate. You hear those words, and you realize that you can panic, or you you could run to panic, or you could run to the promise. And so I ran to the promise that every place the sole of my foot's been given, every place the sole of my foot treads, even being wheeled in on a stretcher from an OR that God's given you the rolling wheels or the treading feet, whichever it is. And so I woke up from surgery um, to find out that I had a class 3C ovarian cancer. They thought I had a benign mass on my uterus and through a blood test, my CA 125 should have been at highest 35, probably a 30 based on my activity level. And mine was over a 400. So it sent them in digging. And when they wow. got digging, they found something that they said wasn't there. Medical science wasn't there. And there it was smiling up at them. The ovarian cancer had spread from my left ovary to my right ovary. It looked like somebody took a pepper shaker and shook hundreds of pepper pepper flakes in my pelvic area. They went into my stomach where they biopsied 47 suspicious places. They took out my fat layer, my omentum. He left the other seven fat layers. He calls himself (laughs) a surgeon. (laughs) Anyway, so. Hey, one's better than none. Yeah, I guess. And then at 40 years old, they sent me through something known as surgical menopause. We can talk about that in a minute too, if you'd like to. But anyway, so they um, told my husband and my best friend, I had a class 3C ovarian cancer. She's a registered nurse, or she was. She Mel, you know she's passed away. Yeah. Um, her knees buckled. The doctor and my husband called her. My husband began to tear up, and he's not a crier at all. And she looked at him and said, mouth to my husband, ask him, the doctor, how long? And that's where it started.
0: And so how did you take the news about the seriousness of your
1: situation and the prognosis of the doctors? When I first figured it out, I didn't care because I was on medication, (laughs) including Xanax. (laughs) We could have world peace tomorrow if we prescribe some of that stuff to everybody, but we can't do that anyway. So (laughs) I know some people are laughing at that and some people aren't, but I'm being honest when they first told me, I went, oh, okay. And I fell back asleep. (laughs) Mel, in about 24 hours when I woke up, I could remember waking up, you know, kind of being groggy in and out. And my pastor was at the foot of my bed praying and my sister was crying. And then I'd see my best friend crying and I'd wake up to my husband with this very serious look on his face. And so when I finally woke up, I began to beg God for a word, Mel. And you know what he whispered to me? Tell me. He whispered Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Mel, when we translate that verse from the original language, it actually says be still and wait expectantly because he is God. Yes. And Mel I first said, oh, no, I want to be like the paralytic at the Pool of Bethesda. I want to grab this hospital bed, throw it over my shoulder with the gown gaping wide open in the back and run out saying, I'm healed. But God again whispered, be still and know that I am God. He did that for seven days. At the end of the seventh and eighth day, my husband left the hospital going into the eighth day. My husband left the hospital, and I had begged God for a word. Have you ever just been desperate for a word from God, Mel? Oh, absolutely. Would you agree? That's a great place to be. It is,
0: because you're expectant, you're hopeful, you're showing trust. I mean, there's all kinds of things when we get to that point.
1: Amen. And the most important thing is we have come to the end of ourselves. Yes. That is where God says, I said, know that I am God, but I needed you to be still. And so Mel, my husband left the hospital room at nine to relieve our friends at home. You know, they were keeping the kids, they were eight and 11 at the time. And my, I left this out when, my, when he said, when my best friend got my husband to ask how long, the doctor said, we'd like to get her 10 years to see both of your kids graduate. And so can I just tell you, my son was 11 and the true miracles in all of this, at that time, he was in middle school, he was already missing 20 math assignments in October. So the miracle is he graduated high school. Can I just tell you that anyway?
0: I, <laughs> I, I, sure said, I understand exactly what you mean by that. That's the yes. deal.
1: Yeah. Middle school and high school boys aren't real interested in math. However, they do pull through in college. But anyway, he said in a whole lot in, in school academic
0: subjects during those years. They no, do it not at all. Have to.
1: Yes, not at all, Mel. College just pull them through. But anyway, he said, I'd like I'd like to get her 10 years. And he said, but five years is her true prognosis. And he said, but Mike, her cancer, that's my husband, is so aggressive. We would like you over the next 90 days to get your house in order. 90 days, Mel. Yeah. I was desperate, begging God. So Mike went home on November the 5th, 2002, and he left at 9 p.m., He called me at 11, and he said, sweetheart, I found your word from God. It's Psalm 86. He said, I want you to read it. Good night. I love you. That's your homework. Go read Psalm 86. But don't just read it. Journal it. Those are 66 love letters to you. For God so loved Mel and Sherry that he sent his only begotten son to the name of every listener out there, that when you believe in him, you're not going to perish but you're going to have everlasting life. And so my husband said, read Psalm 86, good night, I love you. And somehow I knew that he knew I'd journal. And so I pulled Psalm 86 to my bedside. I began to journal at probably about 1130 p.m. I drifted off to sleep and at four o'clock a.m. I heard the most beautiful, still quiet voice. God whispered, good morning. Now I opened my eyes, it was so real. He said, be confident in me and be at peace for there is no more cancer. And I laid my head back and I began to revel and he said, you won't rest until you write it. So I pulled it up, I wrote it in the corner of my journal. Mel, the next thing I heard was because <coughs> I drifted off to sleep. And at six o'clock a.m., Dr. Sidney Terry Smith came bursting through the doors of my hospital room and said, girl, have I got good news for you. he scooched up on my bed, I hate it when your hair's a wreck and a good looking doctor just scooches right (laughs) up beside you. He said, you're not going to believe I'd sent your slides off to Massachusetts Research Hospital. The doctor of pathology is a guru up there and my personal friend. And he said, and he called me late last night to tell me your tumor was non-invasive, which means when it was taken out, it wouldn't spread. And I said, I don't want to burst your bubble, but can I read you my journal? And being the God-fearing man he is, Mel, I read it to him. And he leaned over and he kissed my cheek. Mel, I had to pay for that kiss. Anyway. <laughs> I think it was worth it. It was well worth it. I read in my journal that God said, be confident in me and be at peace for there's no more cancer. He kissed my cheek. And he said, my child, God has smiled upon you. And today, almost 20 years later, no chemo, no radiation, no additional surgeries, I remain cancer-free. To God be the glory, Mel.
0: Praise God. I, I think that is such a powerful story. Now, we know that healing doesn't come to everyone the same way. Amen. But it is possible. And that's what I love about God is that the things that we ask for, the things that we need in our life, He already knows And he will make those things possible if it's in his will. And apparently your healing was in his will. I've known you just a short time, but you are on fire, girl. And it's because you are so thankful for the healing, but you're also excited to share what God did in your life, but what God can do in other people's lives.
1: Amen, Mel. I'm so glad that you said that because I, and I shared 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that I live in perfected power. I want you to think about something. Our God is a God of specifics. And yes, we all, he he recorded every one of our days in his book of life, Psalm 139, before one of them came to be. But he is our God of specifics. He had to have said, be healed cancer because had he just placed his hand upon me, or breathe from the heavenly, or blink, whatever our omnipotent God did at that moment in his will, he had to be specific, because had he said, be healed, I would no longer have rheumatoid arthritis. I love to use John 11. Had Jesus not said, Lazarus, come forth, had he just said, come forth, every person that had ever died would have hopped out of that tomb in their burial cloth at that moment. Instead, he said, Lazarus. So on that night, he said, cancer, be healed. And so I still struggle with rheumatoid. I still battle rheumatoid arthritis, but I do it in perfected power.
0: Well, my friend, we are getting close to the end. And I I want to make sure that we talk about your one takeaway so that the listeners will end this episode hearing your voice with what you feel is most important of a takeaway from the zigzags that you faced and what you've learned about God and about life.
1: I do believe that we are called, we have got to tuck the word, when we when the spirit of God seals us, when we're in Christ, he literally tells us in Jeremiah 31, 31, a new covenant I give you. It is the circumcision. It is writing his word in our hearts. So what we are called to do is activate the word of God that is tucked in us. How do we activate it? We get in it. And then when we get in it, we know it and it comes out of us and we live it because we are called to live like God is telling the truth.
0: We got to believe
1: his word for our lives. Amen. And live it out. Break it down. Walk it out. Live like God is telling the truth.
0: Sherry, it has been so much fun. Who knew that we could laugh so much when you're talking about serious health
1: issues? This has been extremely fun. Mel, thank you. I want everybody to remember as we close out that the joy of the Lord is our strength.
0: It will be easy to remember Sherry's jokes and humorous stories about her interview. She is a Christian comedian, after all. Sure, I hope her natural humor would shine through, as it has in all the times I've heard her speak. But my deepest hope is you also remember how Sherry aligns the good parts and the tough parts of her journey throughout her life with God's word. She believes it because God has time and time again proven to be true to his word. Now, she invites you and she invites me to live like God is telling the truth in our lives. I'm in, will you join me? To learn more about Sherry or invite her to speak at your next event, Visit her website at cherrynettles.com C-H-E-R-I-E-N-E-T-T-L-E-S dot com. Thanks so much for listening today. I'd be honored if you'd share this episode with your friends. And remember, when life zigs and zags, and you know it will, keep moving forward.